Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America. And welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we've got a great interview with Senator Mike Braun of the great state of Indiana. We had him on a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the potential for inflation. And you know what? It happened. And I think we need to understand that these policies that have been taking place in Washington, uh, the printing of money, putting it onto the street, the um, disregard for the size of the debt as it relates to our size of our GDP, our annual American economy, has led to some very significant inflationary pressures. You, you see it. It comes out of your pocket every time you go to the gas tank, every time you go to the food store, every time you go to the hardware store, clothing store, wherever it is, prices are up. We were growing at an annualized rate of 5% in May. That came out after our last interview with Mike Braun, but it actually validated exactly the concerns that he was saying. And essentially, what we need to see is that these policies in Washington, the Joe Biden policies, the Democratic Congress policies, yes, some of the Trump policies at the end, put so much money on the street that now there is a hidden tax caused by Washington. It's called inflation, the inflation tax. It's taking money out of your wallet so that Congress and the administration can fund the things that they want. And I think at some point that tax becomes big enough on top of the federal taxes, the sales taxes, the state income taxes, the local income taxes we pay, the property taxes we pay, that uh, it will become painful for Americans. And, uh, and so today we're going to spend a good part of the day talking to Senator Mike Braun about the consequences of the inflation tax. Yes, Washington's policies are taxing your wallet, and we're going to get to the bottom of that in a few seconds. But before we do, um, first I want to let you know that I think tomorrow we will have a really significant development in the uh, election integrity debate. As you know, last fall, after the elections were over and there were lots of allegations of problems, wrongdoing, concerns, misconduct... We went out and we created an election integrity team. And that team did over 70, 80 stories. We went to all the key states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, Michigan, uh, Georgia. Um, and we, we dug in. We, we tried to find examples of fraud. We tried to find examples of, of misconduct, irregularities. 
we didn't find a lot of direct fraud. Obviously, there are many cases where there's been fraudulent votes, but not the type of fraud that people suspected in terms of one million ballots being printed up by under fake Chinese names and put into the machines and counted. But we did find enormous irregularities, changes in rules that weren't authorized by the legislature, and um, and uh, conduct by the election judges, uh, the uh, referees, the supposedly neutral arbiters of our elections, particularly in the big blue urban areas like Philadelphia, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Phoenix, Milwaukee. Um, and we documented those. The uh, concerns we raised were significant, enough so that eventually there were court rulings. For instance, we raised concerns that Wisconsin uh, had, through its governor and its Wisconsin Election Commission, exempted people from having to comply with voter ID requirements imposed by the legislature. All people had to do in Wisconsin is, I don't want to go outside because of COVID. I'm concerned. And they could declare themselves invalid and therefore uh, be exempted from voter ID. Well, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, after we wrote about that, after we highlighted it, uh, they declared that that elimination of voter ID was illegal, unconstitutional. And there are more than 200,000 votes in that state that fall into that category in a state where President Biden and Joe, uh, Joe Biden and, and uh, uh, Donald Trump were separated by less than 20,000 votes. So 10x the margin of difference that a court has now declared were improper, unlawful, illegal votes under an illegal policy. So we've gone other places, too. And, I, and one of the places that we've been working on lately is Atlanta, Fulton County, the big urban epicenter of the great state of Georgia. Um, and I think tomorrow we're going to be able to show you some of the sort of irregularities, potentially misconduct, missing ballots. We're going to be able to raise some serious questions based on documents that are sitting in the state's possession, in the county's possession. They're sitting basically in plain view. And um, we hope to to give you some important enlightenment on that. I hope you stay tuned. Come back tomorrow. I think we're going to make a difference tomorrow with this story, with this um, revelation. Uh, we're still dotting our I's, crossing our T's. I can come up with some more cliches, but you get the idea. We're, we're locking everything down. We want to be precise, accurate, honest, fair. But I think there's a good chance tomorrow that we will help the American people see something that's new, important in this um, election integrity debate, specifically as it relates to the uh, state of Georgia, where the vote was less than 15,000 difference between President Trump and President Biden. All right. So we um, before we get to our commercial break and go back with the great Senator Mike Braun, I wanted to uh, highlight one story we did. We continue to focus on Joe Biden. Yes, the mainstream media has turned a blind eye. Quite frankly, Fox News has turned a blind eye. But there are still many of us who are committed to getting the rest of the truth out because the story we were given during impeachment is not the accurate story. The idea that everything was on the up and up at Burisma, Biden, Ukraine, not true. Not true. And the big story we broke last week about the knowledge that he had not paid taxes on his Ukrainian money was significant. But there's another element that we have today that I think is really fascinating. And it goes to another player who skated a lot of um, scrutiny so far. He hasn't really been scrutinized. But Senator John Kerry then the Secretary of State under the Barack Obama-Joe Biden administration. Well, 
his son was in business with Hunter Biden. I'm sorry, his stepson was in business with Hunter Biden and his main business partner, Devin Archer. So it was Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Christopher Hines, the stepson of the Secretary of State, John Kerry. Uh, and they had a, a bunch of businesses under the banner of Rosemont Seneca. Uh, one of those is a company that ultimately put Archer, uh, Devin Archer and Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma, the allegedly corrupt company in Ukraine. They both run the board. They both were getting 83000 plus a month. That's a handsome board fee, let me tell you. Not many board members get that level of compensation. But in the process of that, Christopher Hines said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with this Ukraine deal. He wrote a letter to John Kerry and his top people and said, I'm not part of this. This is a bad idea. Should not be part of it. I'm not going to participate in this part of the Hunter Biden, Devin Archer business because I don't think it's right. Well, uh, that probably was a good call. History has shown that Burisma had a lot of problems. Uh, the State Department believed it was corrupt. The State Department reported it twice, paid bribes while Hunter Biden was on the board. Once to the FBI, they reported it. The other time, they reported it to the top Ukrainian official for the State Department in Washington. Uh, we know so much else about it now. Uh, there are investigations into the taxes of Hunter Biden related to Ukraine. There are investigations into the lobbying of certain players that worked with Hunter Biden, like Blue Star Strategies. All very, very important news in that world. But there was another carry that we recently learned through our reporting, and some of it comes off the Hunter Biden laptop, some comes from original sources who were involved in these conversations. The other carry is Dr. Vanessa Carey, that is the daughter, not the stepdaughter, but the direct daughter, uh, biological daughter of John Carey. She's a doctor, she had a charity called the Seed Global Health Initiative and uh, you know, did good things overseas. It was trying to help uh, the world over with better health practices and delivering medical aid and things like that. Well, as when Chris Hines dropped out and their ace in the hole with Secretary of State Kerry sort of disappeared, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and his their Burisma pals, they focused on Dr. Vanessa Kerry. And here's how the game's played. This is exactly how the Swamp in Washington plays influence game, right? Uh, they obviously, Burisma wants to do something in Ukraine to overcome its corruption allegations, to overcome the bad ink, that the fact that they were under corruption investigation by Ukrainian prosecutors, being criticized publicly by the Obama-Biden State Department for being corrupt. In fact, Jeffrey Pyatt, the U.S. ambassador to Kiev, really whacked them in the fall of 2015. And Burisma was angry and upset. And so they wanted to get some good press. They wanted to get past the idea they were a crooked company and, and get into the goodwill of both the Ukrainians and the United States. So the process starts with what you would expect it starts with in Washington, some fundraising. So Devin Archer throws a fundraiser for Dr. Vanessa Carey's Seed Global Health in around July 2015 as the ideas for rehabilitating Burisma and its corrupt reputation in Ukraine are starting to bubble up all over the place. Archer sends a fundraising invitation out. He's trying to raise 100K or more for the Seed Global Health. He has his fundraiser scheduled. We talked to people who were pitched and donated to it, confirmed this fundraiser occurred. Yes, Devin Archer was the person on the hard drive. They're actual are the fundraising solicitations. You can read them at Just the News. Click on the Dig In tab of our story today and you will literally see all the documents I'm talking about. So he, he tries to raise 100K. He's got these categories, 10,000 for a cheer, 5,000 for a fundraising host, and uh, 1,000 bucks for guest. And he throws this fundraiser. Hunter Biden is looped into it. 
And then a couple months later, after Jeffrey Pyatt, the U.S. ambassador to Kiev in Ukraine, really comes after Burisma and says, they're a corrupt company. I don't understand why Ukrainian prosecutors haven't taken out their owner, uh, Mr. Zolchevsky, his name was. He was Hunter Biden's boss. Uh, and uh, the company's now really upset. They got bad ink. It's worse than even before. And uh, these documents show that Devin Archer keeping Hunter Biden in the loop, keeping the Burisma executives in Ukraine in the loop, set out to get uh, a partnership with Seed Global Health and Dr. Vanessa Carey. They were going to bring health opportunities to Ukraine. It was going to give uh, Burisma Good Inc. Um, challenge the United States to stop calling it corrupt when it was doing such a good thing for its country. And uh, Vanessa Carey writes back that she got permission from her board to explore this partnership. Quote, as you know, Ukraine would pose an expansion of activity for us in a number of ways, and we discussed the project with our board to get their backing. Vanessa Carey, the doctor, wrote um, in November 2015, mentioning that her seed global health board was okay with going to work for, at least exploring the possibility of going to work with Burisma. Um, and um, she says that uh, if Burisma could help support this initial phase as well, that'd be great. Meaning, hey, Burisma, dump some more money into my nonprofit and then we'll come back and scratch your back uh, by going into business in Ukraine. Um, a remarkable exchange, a remarkable inside look at how influence in public relations and foreign lobbying and Hunter Biden were all wrapped together. Listen, the reason Hunter Biden was on that board, the reason Devin Archer was on that board was to try to change the U.S. position on Burisma, try to change the Ukrainian perception of Burisma as a corrupt company, and they were pulling out all the stops. This is one of them. Yes, Dr. Vanessa Carey, daughter of John Carey, gets the benefit of a fundraiser by these Burisma types, then agrees to explore a partnership to try to help Burisma out on the ground uh, in Ukraine by helping change its corrupt reputation. You don't have to take my word for it. You may go to the website, justthenews.com, Hit the document button, the dig in button, we call it, and you'll see everything that we gathered. You also should read the story, I hope. But if you don't, just look at the documents. Make up your own mind. We're not about uh, telling you how to think. We're about giving you the facts to make up your own mind, to think for yourself. And I think this story speaks volumes. Just think about it. The Vanessa Carey, the daughter of the Secretary of State, whose father would have enormous sway over whether the State Department would continue to consider Burisma and the Ukrainians corrupt. Um, gets a fundraiser thrown by the Burisma team, Devin Archer, then uh, agrees to explore a partnership that would help Burisma on the ground by bringing her charity into Ukraine under the Burisma banner. Um, Old-fashioned influence work, Washington to Kiev, now exposed for the first time by Just the News, my good friend, Seamus Bruner, my co-author on my book, Fallout. Uh, he uh, really helped me put together this story today. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a sort of work the sort of factual, neutral-based reporting that helps you make up your mind. Listen, the story of Burisma that was shoved down our throat during impeachment was not true, and we are now being able to show it more than ever. I hope you enjoy it. We're grateful, so grateful that you read us and check us out. All right, we're going to go to that commercial break. When we come back, yep, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana is here to talk with us. We're going to be talking about the inflation tax. This is real. This is a bite out of your wallet. You don't want to miss this conversation right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. 
They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And uh, a very special guest from one of my favorite states, by the way. I love Indiana. I go camping. I have to drive through it all the time to Wisconsin. It's really one of my favorite states in America. And we had him on this show a couple of weeks ago. We loved it. And so we've asked him back, Senator Mike Braun of that great state of Indiana. Welcome back. Hey, good to be back on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. And since that conversation occurred, we were talking about all those economic pressures, all the the dangers of fiscal undiscipline, lack of discipline and fiscal restraint. And you were, we were talking about inflation and then the big inflation number came out. May came out 5%. We haven't seen numbers like that since 08 or 92. Um, we're now feeling it in every aspect of our life. And I wanted to ask, because I've heard you say this, I've heard other Republicans say this in recent days, that inflation is like the new hidden Biden tax. Describe a little bit about what's going on with everyday Americans' pocketbooks right now. I mean, uh, you can't miss it. Um, I remember uh, not too long ago when gas was dollar uh, ninety-five to maybe two dollars and twenty-five cents. Right. You do things like shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. When you take all the efforts we've made to become energy uh, independent, and you cut off uh, exploration in places that. Uh, you need to go to you know keep that uh, supply going, and that is in the context of you know I'm a believer that we probably have to be somewhat nimble over time because I think that cleanest, least expensive fuel is going to maybe be different in the long run. But in the short run, when you do things like what the Biden administration has done, it's inevitable. It's going to show up in food prices, uh, which they're at all-time highs as well in certain areas. And the question is, is it going to stick around? Uh, is it going to uh, be something that was accentuated through COVID and we got bad policies piling on now? I think there are two angles to that. We've had a lid on inflation for a long time yeah. due to the fact that cost push inflation, that kind that comes from labor pressures and materials, that's definitely a different dynamic. Uh, some of it we benefit from a global economy. Of course, we have disadvantages there, too, when we don't make stuff that's critical anymore in this country. But that's kind of put a lid on it. Monetary policy has not been that big a deal. But when you now have the Fed and the government, uh, the Fed accommodating the fiscal policy, and you're now talking about 6 to $10 trillion of spending above and beyond the ordinary in the matter of a year and a quarter. Remember, we did $4 trillion back in a bipartisan way with right. the uncertainty of COVID. We've just done another $1.9 on the American Rescue Plan, which was supposed to be COVID relief, and heck, less than 10% of it was that. And now you got another $4 trillion out there between the American Jobs Plan. They always put fancy names on it. They sure we, do. We, we need infrastructure but we can't do it in this willy-nilly way and to where, despite what they say about raising revenue, which is a whole other issue because we had, I think, the sweet spot of taxation pre-COVID with what Trump and Republicans did in December 
2017. Just a lot of variables, a lot of uncertainty, and yes, we are going to have higher prices, and I'm hoping that by 2022, when we get one of the chambers back, that we can put an official stop to it and that we don't undo all the good that was done in an economy that was working as good as I had seen it in 37 years running my own logistics company and distribution company, all that's in peril. Yeah. No, it really is a remarkable moment. And, uh, you know, you think back to 2019, how strong the economy was before COVID and now all these potential threats to the the economy all, all lining up at once. And you have to wonder. And today there was this weird dichotomy of Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin being on the stage and, and there's a summit. And here in America, we cancel a pipeline. And in Russia, we gave them approval or go ahead for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which the Trump administration, by the way, blocked for national security reasons. Do you think Americans, when, uh, when, with all the busyness they have, do they see that dichotomy and wonder, what's going on with our government? I think they do see that when the gist of your policy is just to be anti your predecessor, anti-Trump, they've got to be scratching their heads. I mean, yeah. not only in terms of what was working vis-a-vis -vis places like Iran, uh, North Korea, actually uh, holding the Russians accountable in ways that I think were respected. And you do this, I mean, uh, Vladimir has got to be wondering how easy does this get when you've got people like this administration you know, letting that uh, pipeline uh, move forward. Sure. I mean, I don't know how that ends up. I think a lot of it is sold in this idea of unity, working with your uh, European allies. Well, they've not been exactly that tough uh, when it comes to holding China and Russia in check themselves. How do we think that all of a sudden you can cajole them into doing it? I think the Chinese and the Russians will work that uh, kind of naivete of thinking that you can jawbone tough customers into uh, coming around to your point of view. That'll take a little time to play out. Right. Uh, but they'll be, uh, the Chinese and the Russians will measure this new administration in a way where I think Trump knew that when he did something, they could take it to the bank and there was a certain respect there, even if they yeah. didn't like the delivery or the style. Say what you mean, mean what you say. You get a lot exactly. more results that way. And uh, yep. I think they'll test the uh, the patience of this administration a lot now because there seems to be some uncertainty about its its uh, path. When you look back, we've had now the vice president make her first foreign trip. Kamala Harris went to Latin America. Then uh, President Biden went to Europe and G7. Uh, there's been a lot of negative feedback, particularly on the Kamala Harris trip. Democrats and Republicans alike calling it a disaster. The media has been a little more friendly to Joe Biden, but there have been these incredibly awkward moments where he seems to be lost in his words or in his script or where the, you know, the outcome of, of the deal doesn't quite uh, resonate with the American people. How do you think the world is looking at this new administration in the United States right now? I think they're, uh, first of all, it's getting cut in an immense amount of slack. Imagine had Trump had some of the lapses uh, some yeah. of the kind of confusing dialogue. Uh, imagine how that would have been uh, kind of uh, dispensed uh, across uh, media. Um, here, I think that you're going to find that that latitude that's been given this administration, again, due to the fact it was anti-Trump and now it's something different, is going to start to get a little difficult to defend. And let's talk about the VP. 
uh, I was down at the border right. two and a half months ago with 17, 18 other uh, Republican senators. And for you to be in charge of the key issue, border security, uh, illegal immigration, and you don't step a foot into and around that border, uh, that says something. And when you look at how she responded to some questions in almost uh, a uh, frivolous way that dismissed it, uh, tried to change the uh, topic, uh, I don't think that uh, is uh, anything but another unforced error. I think when they started to do the things that the Border Patrol told us, with no equivocation, uh, no uncertainty, the wall in its completion to the point it was, was clearly the biggest tool they had, uh, along with the stay in Mexico policy that was working. And when you again do the opposite, just because it was somebody else's policy, we now have what was a 45-year low in illegal immigration. We've had three record months in a row. It was 154 (laughs) roughly in March. It uh, toggled up to about 170-something in April, and we just got the main numbers. It hit around 180,000, and that doesn't count the getaways. Yeah, right. These are the people we caught. Aren't checking in. Uh, Most of the folks that get caught, by the way, come across in places where you've got arrows across the border that tell you how to get through the process. And uh, even though they've spread uh, many of the detained immigrants into other places other than like the Donna facility to get rid of the bad optics, uh, they say they're deporting, sending back anyone uh, unless you're uh, uh, an unaccompanied minor, uh, who knows of all that? Uh, numbers have gone up because you've got a sign that says, welcome to the border. Uh, and the two things that were working, you've quit the completion of one of them, and now you've allowed the flow to continue through Mexico. So unforced error, it'll, it could end up being, just like it was in 18 when I ran, uh, the biggest, if not uh, along with the economy, I think because it's going to have issues. You can't rely on a sugar high from the federal government like is uh, basically the approach they're using. I think the border will be up there as well. Yeah, I think you're right. You're seeing it creep up in very important uh, polls now that are showing America's frustration with it. Uh, Last one I want to take you to because I think uh, all things are personal when it gets to our children, right? And so this move that starts, you know, from the Biden administration all the way down to the local school district to inject uh, these new curricula, and you can call them critical race theory, they call it equity education. There's a lot of different names for it. But, you know, the basic prenup is that your precept is that your uh, country has always been and always will be racist, and uh, that most of America's history needs to be looked through our failures, not our successes. And I, I wonder, as you see the early pushback now, parents going to their school board saying, not my child, you see large number of people pulling out their kids, going to charter schools, all the different elements. I wonder as a senator, what, what do you think is, how is this going to play out both in the education system first and then in the larger political battle as Congress is up uh, for grabs in 2022? So uh, critical race theory, Project 1619, this right. uh, whole idea that you are at fault in a systemic way that boils down to racism. Uh, of course, we that's part of the playbook now. I mean, even if you had any issue at all with a, an irregularity through all the things that were done differently in the last election, you were tabbed uh, 
maybe a seditionist uh, for sure. Right. If you try to push back on trying to do what's constitutional, which is what many of the state legislatures have done, 41 of them, that means many blue states right. have looked at their procedures, and many of the blue states have uh, on review uh, voting arrangements that are more austere than many red states. So, and And it always gets back to the underlying reason being racism. When you default to that for so many different things uh, that you want to blame as the core uh, reason, uh, that gets to be uh, a little bit monotone, and it sounds like you're really hurting for how do you uh, actually get your policy proposals out yeah. there. I think what the school system did uh, as we navigated through uh, COVID, uh, so many teachers unions that refused to pay attention to the data and the science uh, wouldn't get back in the classroom. Thank goodness places like Indiana you know, buck that trend. Uh, have a daughter that lives up in the Chicago area, and uh, of course that was one of the hot spots of where right. uh, you could not get teachers back no. in the classroom, even when the science said there was very, very little risk. So putting the critical race theory into the classrooms. Um, I did a uh, floor speech uh, honoring the Pledge of Allegiance yesterday. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, as Red Skelton uh, talked about it uh, based upon a teacher of his, and that resonated in a way uh, that made me really think about how far we've come from not paying attention to those tenets and basics and where we're uh, spewing out stuff like critical race theory. Uh, yeah. We've got issues that need to be still, I think, fixed in this country. But when you start using words like systemic, which is what that means when you're talking about critical race theory, you're not only impugning a large percentage of the country, you're also using that kind of uh, dog whistle, that uh, hot discussion to, uh, I think, shade some of the policy issues that you know don't resonate in many places, especially as we've come through COVID. And when you get into our classrooms, uh, that is where parents, finally, they are the stakeholders, need to stand up and complain like they're doing across the country because uh, that's nonsense when you're trying to inculcate your kids with that kind of garbage. Yeah, and it really is a movement. You're seeing it. You know, it started in Loudoun County, but it is spreading all across this country. I had the young uh, man, Corey Yeshua, who had made that TikTok video with his daughter that went viral a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, I'm an African-American man, but you're not teaching my child that everything starts with race. Uh, that's just not for me. And uh, he was on today and he said, I want my daughter, when they confront a person, when they meet a person, when they engage a person, not to make the color of their skin the first judgment, but the honesty and, and trueness of their character. And what an amazing thing for a father to say. And, you know, he says, I don't want teachers to change that. They're not changing how I'm going to teach my child. And I, I think this fervor for this um, fighting this uh, a curricula seems to be a very real and personal fervor right now. I think it's going to, I assume it keeps sweeping across the country. What do you think? I think so, too. And I think that's another defining issue uh, along with border security. Uh, I think that defining issue of how we hit the sweet spot of having uh, fair elections, uh, right. legal uh, ballots cast and counted, getting as many people to vote as you can within the rules that make sense. Look at a place like Indiana. We've had um, a, 
election procedures that uh, allow you to vote in so many different ways in terms of requesting an absentee ballot. Uh, one of the biggest uh, offerings of early voting. There are a lot of good laboratories out there that have been working. And when you go through something that was so out of the ordinary and you did have issues with judicial jurisdictions, sure. election commissions that did yeah. things on the basis of COVID. Much of it was legal when you looked at it closely, but was it constitutional? That's what our legislatures are doing now. And they make mm -hmm. the argument that it's only a few swing states that are doing it. And I think they're close to 40 to 41 that are doing it to make sure their law is consistent with the Constitution and that it's done at the state level and it is done fairly. It is done not to suppress any votes. Right. And it is done to where you have confidence in your election results. Yeah, that is something that is going to be a big dialogue this summer. You can see it happening now. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, uh, even states that didn't have any controversies, Alabama, Texas, Florida, they're all making sure that they are on top of this. And I think that's good for the American public to have that confidence grow through through oversight. Senator, I'm always so grateful when you come on. You always bring a lot of wisdom, and um, I can't wait to have you on again soon. Thank you. Thank you for the time today. You bet. My pleasure. Take, Take care, care, sir. God bless. All right, folks, that uh, is uh, one heck of an interview. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the extraordinary opportunity of that commercial break. Great sponsors, great supporters, great advertisers on John Solomon Reports and Just the News. Please do what you can to support them, buy their products, buy, subscribe to their services. Let them know that you love us by using the code such as Just News when you buy them. We're so lucky. We're so blessed uh, to have such a great team of of advertisers and sponsors around us. Senator Mike Braun, great conversation. This inflation tax is real. We need to realize Washington's imposition of these policies, putting all this cash on the state, running up your national debt, your uh, your budget deficits, is also taking money out the back end of your wallet. And uh, I think Senator Mike Braun captured that just perfectly. So we pray that uh, you enjoy it, that uh, you dig in, you learn. Tomorrow, we're going to have some more stuff. I think there may be some election integrity news that we might be able to uh, do. And uh, uh, just stay tuned overnight and through the morning, we'll let you know. And hopefully, we'll address it on this show tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. God bless the extraordinary country that this is, the United States of America. God bless and good night. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. 
Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.